welcome to the first of many deluxe overpriced DVD sets of The Simpsons. With 280-odd shows in the can, and no end not, in sight. Not, not even close. You might be able to complete your Simpsons DVD collection just before the next format comes along. There are like two or three now that they've, yeah. Thanks for buying. Couldn't do it. What we have here are 13 crudely animated episodes, first aired in 1989 and 1990. All spiffed up, cleaned off, and augmented with bells and whistles, bonus materials, and self-pitying audio commentaries. If Homer, Marge, Barton, Lisa, and Maggie look weirdly off-model, if their voices sound spooky and different, and if the animation seems particularly glitch-filled, just remember this. We didn't know what the hell we are doing back then. But you know something? We wouldn't have it any other way. Macarini. That's correct. I'm Kevin. And I'm Rachel. This is Shelf Life, a compendium of a brother and sister team going through everything that is in the zeitgeist of culture, be that movies, TV, video games, comic books, books, comic, I said comics, wrestling, yeah. Yeah. sports, did I hit everything? I think so. Well, I don't know. There's like a million things entertainment. that we can do with this show. Yes, enter yes, that's right, entertainment. We are entertainment. The point of this show <laughs> is to figure out whether or not anything and everything has shelf life, meaning is it worthy enough to be on your shelf, digital or physical? In this case, very importantly, we have the physical copies of the beginning of one of the most important things in our lives, at least for, my, for me, I think for you as well, because now in this episode three of shelf life we are delving into tv land we're we're leaving movies and we are going to my for me personally my personal favorite show of all time the simpsons yes <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what to add to that well i i guess i, I mean, grew Rachel, up we, we grew you... up with the simpsons it was out before it... i was born and then it was always on the tv <laughs> This this is and and we we kind of said it in the first couple of episodes. We started off a little lower stakes. We started off a little small. Why are we going full bore here? And we are starting the t our journey through television with our journey through Springfield in The Simpsons. I would say it's because you've got to start with the thing that influences everything else, and that is The Simpsons. Absolutely. Without The Simpsons, there is no King of the Hill. There is no Family Guy. There is no American Dad. There is no The Office. There is no Parks and Rec. There is no Community. There is no Rick and Morty. There is no Futurama. There is no any of any of them. The, any of them without The Simpsons. It doesn't just influence animated shows. It influenced all of television. There is no Arrested Development. There is no Always Sunny in Philadelphia. There is none of that stuff without The Simpsons. I would wager, too, there is no Ratatouille. There is no Toy Story. There is no, there is no WALL-E. There is no Iron Giant. There is no Disney without The Simpsons. It is the influential spot of anyone our age, whether they know it or like it or not. And we're going to prove it starting by going through season one. Now... That, that we was were a talking very about... bold claim, Kevin. Thank you. That was very, well, I, very bold. I We gotta have the hot takes on this. 
show, and and that's my hot take. I, I, I mean, obviously, I'm being a, a little, you know, hyper hyperbolic and funny and over the top, but it is. It's a very influential show for us. It pretty much defines the way that we talk and and taught us how to be witty. Yeah, probably. And and, and snappy. It It was the base for the wit. Yes. It it what well, it's the thing that 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 goes through and and is able to do a joke that is so esoteric and out of and crazy and it, and then do something like a fart joke or a burp yeah, and everybody burps. in the room can laugh. <laughs> More, yeah, you're right. More burps than farts. My point is, is that it it is kind of that that centerpiece, and I, I think that when it comes to TV, we should start with the centerpiece because before this, before The Simpsons, most there's good stuff before this. We'll get into that stuff, but most stuff from the mid '80s to back on television was com- very, very much comfort food. It was not something that was to be thought of as thinky or higher art or very you know edgy mm-hmm. uh not there wasn't a lot of edgy material on television right. because that's not what it was there for right and the whole point that that Macarening brought to it was he wanted to basically say everything else that you're watching is shit like <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what are what are your kind of thoughts about The Simpsons, Rachel? Before we get into get into it, well, are you talking about Simpsons as a whole, or we are we getting into just the the first well, let's, season? Let's start with Simpsons as a whole, and then we can get into the first season. So, I mean, like I said before, we grew up with The Simpsons. It came out like a few years before I was born, so I guess that kind of tells you my age. But at the same time, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was on every every. Uh, Every time we were having dinner, I always remember having The Simpsons on, and it would be like just like a, that little twenty-minute episode <laughs> that we'd watch. And uh, there always were those ones that you were excited to watch and and see, and all those the lines that you were like anticipating, especially after you, obviously after you've seen them and wanted to watch the reruns. It I don't know. It it's it's just kind of the basis for everything that we, we we say and everything we do and how we like to tell jokes really it has that nice rhythm to it that like leads us to the next uh next point i would say that uh the early simpsons is what i is what i love um i golden age the golden age of the simpsons is 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 where i am at i don't remember what season i completely just dropped it um, but I no longer watch the new new, new Simpsons well, anymore. I, 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 I'll make another bold state. I mean, I, I think that it's important. I think the way that the, there's a few things when, we, when we're evaluating whether something has shelf life or not. And, and f- I, I mean, we're doing going to do this season by season, episode by episode. I look at The Simpsons as being at least two different shows. You mm-hmm. have The Simpsons... And then The Simpsons. Yep. And yes, that was a Simpsons reference. But <laughs> I don't know when the cutoff is either. And maybe we'll find out as we, we go through our journey of The Simpsons. But I, I think it's it's just something where the humor didn't necessarily change, but it evolved with the times. It wasn't as good. And I know... No, I that, hate it now. The defense... <laughs> I hate it now. I, I, I will be blatantly obvi- honest and say that I do not enjoy the jokes. I do not enjoy the characters. I do not enjoy the plot lines. I think that they 
should have stopped once their wit ended. They they should have they should have stopped, but um, they didn't. We will figure out like at what point does the Simpsons ep- uh, seasons and episodes stop having shelf life? I think there are diamonds in the rough. Probably, maybe we can find diamonds in the rough, or people can suggest you know let us know what some diamonds in the rough are once we get past Golden Age Simpson. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, uh, yeah, there probably will be like a cutoff point. The other thing about this is what it, what you have in your hand, Rachel, is is my copy, my personal copy from the year 2001 of The Simpsons Season 1 on digital video disc. Yep. Also known as DVD. It's something you can't get anymore because as we know and as our as our ongoing feud would indicate, <laughs> it is only available on Disney Plus, or if you can find one of these DVDs lying around. And yeah. I would love to have all of these on Blu-ray. I don't think that Disney has any intention of... of oh, absolutely uh, not. They just want releasing. you to buy their streaming site, because it's more expensive to do that. In the long In run. In the long run. But they I, force I, you I, to do it now. <laughs> but I, I do think... I, I think that we can go you know through this with the DVDs and just kind of say like if you don't have the DVDs and there's probably a lot of people out there that don't have the DVDs especially season one because people seem to poo-poo season one a lot Matt Groening even says it on the in your the quote that you did at the beginning I think going through them on Disney plus is still important and hopefully they have everything fixed so that they don't (laughs) they don't have the jokes cut off season one doesn't have as, as many signed background jokes as the future seasons I didn't think. I didn't see as many, like, you know, like, the, they called them sign jokes. Sure. But, I didn't see much, yeah. Um, but still, like, there were, uh, when it first went on Disney+, Plus, people were complaining that um, they changed the aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. So, like, you couldn't see the everything that was originally on the screen. And in a lot of instances, you were missing jokes because the you know the animation it was off would the screen, right yeah uh it's like um when they used to i remember specifically when they used to syndicate ghostbusters for cable that scene when they're in the elevator you can't see all three of them oh seriously? i can't remember who gets cut off but like somebody gets cut off oh my god for like old tv right you don't have that problem anymore but yeah i think that this is i think this is a good spot to start with television because it's so influential to us. When it comes to season one, do you have any opening remarks before before I get in a little bit to, to what I looked up as the history of how the show got started? I, I didn't realize um, how many good ones were in season one. <laughs> and like, it's it's funny because you, you go back and you listen to it and you hear the, the, the old voices and you hear the old sounds and you see the old artwork. A, and lot, it... of, a lot of um, click clunk. I can't yes. do like, but like yes. a lot of that noise. Anytime anybody's walking, it yep. was very weird. And uh, and you see the old artwork, and it's kind of just endearing. I just go, oh, this is where they started, and I just I really like that. I don't know why. I just it's just one of those things that it's like, oh, this is where it started, and there's some really good episodes in this, you know. So like, going all the way back, there's like really good episodes. So. I- and and I will say I think the way that we're, we'll do t- television and 
this is our show, so we get to do whatever we want, and we can change this if we want to. Because that's right. Because we are, as we say, the truth, and whatever we want to do, we want we can do. Also, yeah, there are like two dozen at least Simpsons podcasts out there that delve into things like how the animation works, and then some are just like going over the jokes or whatever. So yeah, this is definitely not something the world needs. Is another Simpsons podcast. In fact, you can call, you can subtitle this "Shelf Life," the TV Land colon. That's right, another Simpsons podcast as our, you know, the subtitle of of our journey through Springfield. We're still gonna do it because we, I mean, you, we love the Simpsons, the Golden Age Simpsons. When we say the Simpsons, we mean the Golden Age Simpsons. We love them. I have, I'm wearing. You can't see them. I hang on, Rach. Maybe I can get this up so you can see i have my homer <laughs> slippers on. yes I, I i don't i i i don't have a ton of homer uh, and, and bart stuff out oh man i got my maggie there's a maggie magnet somewhere on the desk but um i think this is as good a spot to start as any when we are doing episodes on television we haven't quite figured out how we're going to do this yet because the name of our game here is to get through all of pop culture and even though Rachel and I have basically decided we'll do this until, you know, for the next 50 years, going through 280 episodes of The Simpsons, because that's what Macarena had said on the box. So we know there's 280 good ones. Yep. Uh, <laughs> or 280 that we that's can get through. That's what we're starting. That was, well, that was from 2001. So right. like, if, even if you go to 2000 or whatever. So uh, that would take, uh, let's say, roughly, we're doing these like once, I don't know if every three four weeks to carry the one and uh, like 12 years and that's just <laughs> the simpsons so the the question is like how how are we going to do this well we don't necessarily know so i, I i'm gonna steal the line stay tuned and you'll f- figure out exactly how we'll end up doing television episodes um, because we have a lot on, we have a lot of TV to, to do as well as movies and, um, it'll be interesting to find out. But season one of the Simpsons, I will self-admittedly say when I, when Rachel and I were booking the show, when we were sitting by the pool booking the show and it's a Vince McMahon, Pat Ferris. I assumed. <laughs> we were sitting by the pool booking the show. Um, I said, you know, you know, what we can do, we can do the Simpsons and we'll do the first season and then and then we'll see like we can go episode by episode and we'll just keep going and Rachel said it's a hell of an idea oh, that's, and, that's a hell of an idea <laughs> and um but I thought we would be able to get through it in like you know our standard episode length but to your point once you watch the episodes again you're like oh there's a lot of stuff stuff to get through yes <laughs> yes a there lot. is so i think we probably should start but i want because part of our goal here is not just to make sure that you the listener who who we're doing who we're doing this for the people that sit at work every day and have to cram through their work and they have hours on end to spend we're doing that for you, that you have something to listen to. We're doing this for the people that have to get up at night to because their child's woken up 
they got to let the dog out. They have to take the dog for a walk. They need something in their ear. We're doing this for the people that have to commute hours on end to get to work in the mm-hmm. middle of the pandemic. We're doing this for you. And that's why our episodes are so long. And because we are blowhards is really the reason. But we want to make sure that you get a little bit of background into the shows as well or the movies as well. Even though what we really are evaluating this on, what we're really caring about, what we're really doing this on is purely the art, um, whatever it is. That's that's my disclaimer to say that like we're going to do stuff on the show and we've already done stuff on the show that like could be uh, canceled. But it's it's a part of the process of going through and saying, is this something that you have to cut all that out? But but the, the, the point the point I was trying to say is um, the reason that that we'll give a little bit of background is so that you get an idea of of how it started and where it came from. Even though all we're going to really do is evaluate it based on on the art that you see in front of you, and that's more or less to give you you know a couple of our our overall themes, which is everybody is basically doing this. Yeah, they. You need to hope that somebody's making content for quality and not quantity. And part of the problem now today is that everything is quantity, not quality. Yep. Uh, including The Simpsons, yep. because it's just we just need more shit to put on Disney Plus. Making sure that everyone understands that uh, everyone is, everyone that is in Hollywood or wherever else we go on the journey through shelf life is basically just trying to carny you out of what you what you uh, find interesting. That being said, let me start with saying where the Simpsons began. Let's 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 form the show, Rachel. How how to start forming this show, shall we? Okay. I'm okay with that. Let's 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 start there. The show starts. The Simpsons the, the Simpsons actually begins with James L. Brooks. Not Matt Groening. I'll start with James L. Brooks. James L. Brooks is a prolific producer of television and movies in the 70s and 80s. He's worked on the Mary Tyler Moore show, Taxi, uh, the movies broadcast news, Terms of Endearment. All of this stuff. He's known as being very good at combining sentimentality, actually kind of being more of an elevated, like, smart, and then, like, funny at the same time kind of thing. That's 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 his shtick. He is a Hollywood it guy. He has everything. In the mid-80s or early 80s, he is developing or working on developing with Tracy Ullman, the Tracy Ullman Show. He's, he's producing it. And the Tracy Ullman... Tracy Ullman was a comedian. She's a British comedian. And the show was basically going to be a skit show. It was going to be a skit show on, on Fox. I think so. Anyway, I don't have all of that detail, but I think it was going to be on Fox. Yes, Fox Broadcasting. Fox is a the new kid on the block when it comes to broadcast television. Um, there were, what, five channels back in the day before we were born, Rachel? So... <laughs> It's it's they were trying to come up with stuff that would be different to have on TV other than what ABC, NBC, CBS were were broadcasting. So they they went with the the, the Tracy Ullman show. 
Brooks, knowing that it was going to be a sketch show, decided that instead of it just being, I guess, and I don't remember them ever doing this. Like we, like SNL is still around. Like, I mean, even mad TV was around in the nineties. Like, I don't remember them ever doing this, but I guess between sketches to get set up for the next sketch, they had things that James L. Brooks refers to as buffers, which were like supposed to just be like these little things to do um, while they were getting set up for the sketches. Okay. Instead, and and they used to just be like little thirty second like nothings, like ads almost, or just like watching somebody put a set together. He wanted to make them funny, and he thought, well, if we could do them animated, like you know, that could like lead to something different on the show. That leads to Matt Groening. Talk a little bit about Matt Groening. Matt Groening is a cartoonist from Portland, Oregon. And he grew, grows up in Oregon. His grandfather or father, uh, his father Homer, uh, was advertiser, but he also did cartooning. Um, so even even no matter where we go, we're gonna have something where hey, you're you're not just you can't just be talented. You probably have to know somebody mm. to end up having your name in history. Sure, Let's just keep that in mind. But he decides uh, he's going to go to L.A. and become a cartoonist when he graduates college. So he leaves for L.A. and he does a lot of, like, crap jobs. He's like a dishwasher. He's busting tables. He's doing all this junk. And he gets a job as a clerk at Hollywood Licorice Pizza, which was a record (laughs) store in L.A., (laughs) That's where he gets employed to do, like, alternative newspaper stuff. So it's the 70s, I guess, so any schmuck... it's I think of it as, today, you'd have a fucking blog or a podcast. Back then, you had some alternative newspaper that you were doing nothing. You know, it was going around to your 10 friends or whatever. Sure. But he um, ended up doing some, like stuff for this this alternative newspaper and at the same time he decided to come up with this um life in hell comic and life in hell was just his like little doodles where he would he basically drew rabbits and it was just like the depressing life that he was leading in hollywood like all of this like crap that he like hated california and hated la and all this stuff and it was called life in hell but it was still that macraining positivity where it's like kind of goofy like over the top goofiness eventually uh, he would just stick it in the corner at the licorice pizza um, and sell life and hell comics and that in turn ended up allowing him to he ended up showing the cartoons to the editor of the the paper that he was like doing typesetting for the alternative paper the guy liked them so he put them into the paper it was called the reader and it, it's, it makes its debut in 1980 into this alternative newspaper. Then he ends up giving Graining his own column. So every week Graining starts writing this column. And he had nothing, he had no idea what to write about. So he would just write about like junk every week into this column. It sounds very Stan Lee-ish. Um, oh, yeah. Like it was it just kind of like a does. soapbox. And then eventually he's asked to make a book 
out of his series of strips in the paper. He had a girlfriend at the time that also worked there that said, we, we could self-publish these. So they, in the 80s, they end up making a self-published book, comics, book of comics, like a, a, like a trade back mm-hmm. of comics. And it sells 22,000 copies, which is a lot. Yeah, it's, that does it's sound pretty like popular quite a bit, yeah. For, for the 80s. So it, it, it just took off. I've never read a Life in Hell comic. I've seen a couple of them. I think they're probably somewhere around these DVDs where, like, they show, like, how to how to die in L.A. I, I, like, I vividly remember, like, how to die in L.A. where, like, it's, like, nine different um, cell, uh, you know, comic squares. Mm-hmm. And it, like, has, like, different ways to die in L.A. And they're, like, kind of funny or whatever. But Graining has done Life in Hell, did Life in Hell comics until 2012. He he did them uh, up until then, but that's how he gets started. James Brooks has read the Life in Hell comics, and he likes them, so he calls Matt Groening and says, "How would you like to get into animation?" Well, it's James L. Brooks. You're not going to say no, so he he goes to meet with James L. Brooks, and he realizes while he's waiting in the lobby according to greening this is the st- this is the story all of these people have a, a story right sure but he says i didn't want to give them life in hell because if whatever this show was if it doesn't work if if people don't like it that's the end he can't do anything else because the Life in Hell comics is how he's making his living. Mm-hmm. And, and he thinks it'll tank the Life in Hell comics if, if the sh- it doesn't go well. So he decides to quickly sketch out and come up with this family of characters. He comes up with a dad named Homer, names him after his dad. He draws a character named Marge. Uh, his mom is named Margaret. Mm-hmm. He draws two girls, uh, one named Lisa and one named Maggie. Uh, he has two little sisters named Lisa and Maggie. And then he draws a, a, a boy, and he doesn't want to name it Matt because he thinks that's too obvious, so he names him Bart, an anagram for Brat. <laughs> so Brooks likes the idea, and they go to town, and they, they decide that they're going to make this show. But they're just little shorts. They're just little, like, two minutes each, you know, episode of the Tracy Ullman show. And they're really bad. Uh, <laughs> have you watched any of them? I have not watched any of those before, no. Um, yeah, so uh, here's one now. Well, good night, son. Um, Dad? Yeah? What is the mind? Is it just a system of impulses, or is it something tangible? Relax. What is mind? No matter. What is matter? Never mind. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Good night, son. Good night, Lisa. Good night, Mom. Sweet dreams. Thanks, Mom. Sleep tight. I will, Mom. Don't let the bed bugs bite. Bed bugs? When the bell breaks, the cradle will fall. Baby cradle and all sweet dreams. 
may be the best parents in the world. Mm. Good night, dear. Good night. All right, climb in. There's nothing to worry about. Now everyone go to sleep. Good night. It's pretty terrible. Uh, so I, uh, when we get to the 138th episode spectacular, uh, I think we'll just include Troy McClure going ah, ha, 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 about joking about how bad the oh my god the yes. sketches are. Hi, I'm Troy um, McClure. But because it was something different, it was, I guess, like it's hard to, it's hard to judge. But they're just these shittily drawn things somebody so they they hire this animation studio that never really did anything like this before um somebody at the animation studio said like why don't we make them yellow because it would stand out that was all the thought that went into that so like now they have all these bright colors and things like that um he did draw all of the hair hair hairlines the hairstyles to make sure that you could identify them in silhouette which is still a brilliant move because if you see those heads anywhere in the in the pla- on the planet, you know exactly what that is. They debut in 1987 on the Tracy Ullman show, and they do some sketches on the Tracy Ullman show. They go through that a little bit. Now we get into the point where hey, they're all right. They're they're doing all right. It's a it's a popular thing. This is where it comes to Fox wanting to have a half an hour show that can be uh, something totally different from the other channels. They've got Married with Children coming up. They want something to go along with it. James L. Brooks negotiates with Fox and Klasky Chupo, which is the animation house, to get The Simpsons as a half an hour television show. And this is extremely risky for Fox. So... They said they will pay for it. Uh, Fox paid, and they thought, is this going to work? Graining, because, or, or, or James L. Brooks, because he's James L. Brooks, also got it signed into the contract that they could, meaning Fox, could give notes about the show. They could say what they want to change about the show, what they want in the show. Any, the Simpsons could say, great, and throw them away. They didn't have to, it, it, it was completely up to the people working on The Simpsons what the show would be. And that's key, I think, because... Because of I, how everything's changed now, do you think that's not the same? Because I was well, just thinking that. That they couldn't <laughs> they don't, get away with it? Yeah, they don't, get the, they don't get a say anymore. They probably have zero say, it's whatever the hell big execs say is funny to put onto the screen at this point. Yeah. Well, I mean, it their can be characters hard aren't to... characters anymore. It's whatever's funny. Use that character to do this thing, because it would be funny. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the manatee writing that yes, a hundred percent refers to yeah, where it's just a manatee rolls a ball from one end of the tank to the other, and then whatever's on the ball, you just make a joke about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I I think too like. There's a lot of pop culture in this golden age of Simpsons, but it's done in a way that it weaves it into the story. Right. 
as opposed to just now here's a joke about uh, i don't know uh Nicki minaj or cardi b or, i was trying to who, think of cardi who, b. is it the one that was <gasps> yeah, that one yeah. yeah um well i did a wookie but... more so than i did hers though didn't i <laughs> hers is hard to do you have to like have the the like a perfect pitch to do i'm not even gonna try Oh, cr- um, that one. <laughs> you're just going to do this for the next hour. <laughs> um, I'm going to go from Wookiee to Cardi B every time. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> I mean, it's the same idea, yeah. So Fox says, okay, we don't have to do the these notes. They start developing the show so i mentioned james l brooks and he worked on taxi he decides well you're gonna need writers for this show so we get he gets the best writer he knows and that is sam simon sam simon is the third executive producer on the simpsons his name is on all of the television screens before we enter the episode at the at the start of the end credits sam simon was a wonderkin so to give you an idea, Rach, he was born in 1955. Uh, he died in 2015. But he was born in 1955. So he's 32 when he's going to be the head of the writer's room for The Simpsons. Nice. <laughs> um, his career is, again, uh, he's born in Los Angeles. He's kind of a privileged kid. His dad's a lawyer and stuff. He... He wanted to be a writer and an artist since he was a little kid. His parents wanted him to be a lawyer. He was like, no, I'm, I, I don't really want to do that. He seems like the type of guy, and we'll get to this episode. I mean, add this to the list, but do you know that episode of Recess, Rachel, where the kid is better? They all have their, they, everyone on Recess has a niche, and then this, that kid comes along and he ruins it for all oh, of them. I hate that kid. Like, he, I, I even understood the pains of that. It was just, like, annoying because this kid always is better than everybody. Yes, I, I, I what think, you mean. I think he seems kind of like that kid because, like, looking at his Wikipedia page, it's like uh, he he was, he was on the football team in high school. He was a cartoonist for the school newspaper. Maybe he's just um, Delilah from... Well, that or he's just Delilah from the faculty. That but, too? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he, he's he Lisa. Was, he was named most humorous and most talented in his senior yearbook. And he did not want to attend college, but he did because Stanford said he had good grades and he was good enough at football that they'd give him the scholarship to Jeez. do it. So he went to Stanford and quit the football team after one day because he hated it. Which Wouldn't that just make it so he has to drop then? <laughs> Well, that's like the scholarship well, he type probably thing. could afford it anyway. Oh, that's true. Rich father. Um, and then he was, uh, he drew comics for the college newspaper, which is a theme for Simpsons writers because on the other side of the country are all of these Harvard asses that are writing for uh, the National Lampoons that end up being the writers on the Simpsons. So if you want to be one of the top minds in the world, Apparently, you become a comedy writer for, like, the Ivy League schools. I think um, I think that's uh, that has something to do with how you want to get your wit heard. You want to get your 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 interesting insight into stuff heard yeah. is to make it funny. 
You do it through comedy. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Not, and not comedy like Jimmy Kimmel, like Stephen Colbert. Kind, no. That, and James Corden. Like, they're bad at, like, there's no subtlety. Well, they, I don't know that they don't comedy. even write their own comedy. Those, those guys true. don't write their own comedy. Well, and, well, we'll get into and, that. And, in and, and if they don't write their own comedy, they're not going to present it well. So the person who wrote it is the one that knows how to present it, and that's the well, person that would have the wit for it. There's going to be a couple people in the Simpsons writer's room that wrote for Johnny Carson, um, oh. but they never met Johnny Carson. <laughs> so to your point, they, they don't really know how the joke is supposed to go. So he And he wanted to, Sam Simon wanted to be in the art classes, but he was denied admission because he was not talented enough. Well... And, he wrote uh, in the Stanford Alumni Magazine, he was told he'd be taking the space of a student who had more talent. <laughs> um, wow. So I, I kind of like learning about Sam Simon a little bit. I guarantee you he loved throwing that back in the face of the oh, school. No, no. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So he, he graduates to become a sports cartoonist, of all things, for the San Francisco newspaper. Um, does a little bit of work at a film at Filmation Studios. Does a little bit of work here and there for some different specs for some different scripts. And the guy he was working for said uh, he should write a script just to see if Hollywood would take it. So he writes a spec script for Taxi, which is the show that James L. Brooks is producing. Sure. It becomes a show. It's so good. He becomes a writer on the show. He's so good, he becomes the head writer of the show. <laughs> Instant step walking up the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why James L. Brooks decides, I'm getting Sam Simon. And Sam Simon decides to assemble a team of writers he just sort of fucking finds. So I, it's kind of, you know, when we get into comic book, uh, particularly the Avengers... So many of the, like, you think of the new Avengers, Rachel, or mm -hmm. think of, like, even Guardians of the Galaxy in the comic books. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's always that, like, here's the one guy, and then he just goes, you know, I gotta, I go find Spider-Man, and then I'm gonna go talk to Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, and then I'm gonna go talk to Daredevil. And it's, uh, I, it's, <laughs> I, I like to think of it that way. Like, if we were going to write the, the fake story of how The Simpsons was made, he just goes door to door getting sure. all these Harvard there, people. There's, there's even a heist episode in Rick and Morty, and I assume we're going to get to this at one point. And in that one, they go around collecting people, and it's, you son of a bitch, I'm in. And it's just yeah. every well, single one the of them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the way and, that and works. We'll, We'll probably talk more about the, the individual writers when we get into each episode, or at least just kind of touch on what those individual writers did, because some of them just exclusively worked on The Simpsons, and some of them are responsible for a lot more in popular culture. He develops the writer's room. They start writing things with the oversight of James L. Brooks and Matt Groening. Groening and Sam Simon don't always get along, because Sam Simon, all the writers are writing for Sam Simon. They instantly can tell Sam Simon is the pulse of the show, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, Matt Groening's comedy is a little more positive. So you have like a more cynical writer in Sam Simon who's focused on like character development, and Matt Groening who's a little more of a positive uh, humorist. And I guess, and, and this is where, I guess they there's a little bit of a falling out or a little bit of like 
headbutts a little bit between Groening and Sam Simon because Sam Simon apparently once said, do whatever you want, like, you know, if, if the show doesn't make it, like, we still want it to be good. And he was saying it because if for a lot of these writers, this was a big deal to them. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want them stressed out. He wanted them to just be loose and, like, writing something. And make you know, it enjoyable. Make it fun. Do what you think is fun. The problem is, is that Graining interpreted it as, who gives a shit if this show works or not? We are all going to have jobs because I'm Sam Simon. And Graining thought, well, no, this is kind of it for me. Like, this is, either this works or it doesn't. He's all in, um, right. But I, I guess subsequently, both of them, had, like, Sam Simon said, like, no, Graining was, like, instrumental in, like, getting heart into the show, with, along with James L. Brooks and... and Matt Groening had said, like, yeah, all, like, the humor is, like, that Sam Simon style. So, anyway, they all kind of get along at that point. Now, I have talked way too much about the history of The Simpsons, but it is our most important show. So I did want to be able to, like, bring it up, bring up at least how it comes together. Rachel's going to cut, like, a half an hour out of my I'm going to try. But <laughs> that was all I had okay. when it comes to how this thing got going. Do you have anything else to add, Rachel? To the history? Not really. Or anything else you want to get into before we get into season one and episode one, Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire. After after this word from our sponsor, uh, we'll come back and we will begin our, our dive into The Simpsons season one. <laughs> 